the wild, growing our souls through creativity with Beth Mori. That's me! Hi, this is Beth of SheOfTheWild.com, and I am coming to you live from a gorgeous labyrinth in Montana. I guess I shouldn't say live because it's not live, really, um, but it's on location. How about we say that? Um, and I was inspired to make this recording here after I just walked the labyrinth. If you don't know, labyrinth is not just an excellent fantasy movie featuring David Bowie, <laughs> but it is a meditative tool um, that can take various shapes and forms. Um, you can think of it as a maze with, you know, hedges um, for a person to walk through and get lost in. Um, I see it, and it's commonly used as a spiritual meditative practice or tool or both um, you can do it on paper you can print out a labyrinth and and run over it with your finger you can buy little handheld labyrinths again to trace with your finger or you can visit a real live one and walk through it the one I walk through is not a you know it doesn't have hedges you don't you're not going to get lost in it it's a very clear pathway in and then out and it's marked by stones so you can leave any time that you wish um, but it's cool not to to restrict yourself to the path I love walking the labyrinth because it always surprises me um, this particular labyrinth I'll have to look up exactly what kind of labyrinth it is because it's a certain kind um, and put that in the show notes. It um, leads you straight for the center right away. You're like, oh, here's the end. I've already begun and I got to the end. Fantastic. I've achieved my goal. Um, and then it kind of loops you around a little bit. You're like, oh, okay, okay. I knew it wasn't going to be that quick. And it takes you back to the middle again a second time pretty quickly. Um, and then it messes with your mind after that. <laughs> Basically, it I think, this is my opinion, it tries to take you back to a beginner mind where you don't know what's going to happen, which of course mimics life, right? You think you're on this path, you think you're going in this straight line, turns out it's curved. Oh wait, actually it turns out it's not just curved, but there's like all sorts of 90 degree turns and then 180 degree turns and then you don't know what's happening and wow, it kind of feels like life pushed you off a cliff a little bit because now you're falling, oh, but you landed, and now you're on a new path completely from where you started. That's what the labyrinth feels like to me. It kind of mimics that idea of life is not a straight line. And I've walked this labyrinth before. I love it. I come here when I just need to feel grounded and in a 
specifically sacred space. It's a non-denominational space. I've seen it used in churches, uh, Catholic churches. Um, this one here, um, it seems it's non-denominational, but it seems to have a more Buddhist leaning than anything else. But it's a practice that can be used by anyone. Faith using, faith bearing, people of faith or not. <laughs> Looking for the right words there. Um, I can come here just to feel grounded, to feel connected with the earth. It's super gorgeous. It's quiet. It's out of the city. Um, it's surrounded by farmland. Farmland? Farmland. There's chimes. There's a little garden. It's beautifully kept. There are bees buzzing all around. Even right now it's June, but still a little bit cool. But there's um, the flowers are starting to bloom and there are bumblebees buzzing around them all. I sat quietly before I came into the labyrinth and a woodpecker friend visited me. You could see that on my Instagram if you so choose. Um, I've never been that close to a bird like that where I was just, I had a book and I was reading and I hear this curious little like prickling sound and I look up and the tree that I'm sitting like three feet away from has this beautiful little woodpecker that's hopping down the tree and eating bugs out of the bark and the prickling sound was its beak in the bark and also its um its feet on the bark and so that was just a really special experience um so I'm comfortable with this labyrinth I know it sometimes I just walk through it just because sometimes I try to walk through it more meditatively this time around which is what inspired this podcast episode I walked through the first half, so from the start to the center. So I was at the center of the labyrinth, so I'm halfway through because now I have to go turn around and backtrack and go back out. Um, I felt like I kind of wasn't really grounded or present. I was thinking about like my dogs and I was thinking about my living situation, which is all fine. Thinking about what I'm going to eat later. And then I kind of realized that while it's fine to think about all those things, of course, I came here to kind of get a break from all of the everydayness of my life and thinking about going back to the everydayness while I'm away from it doesn't really give me a break from it, right? <laughs> so I decided to try to walk it more meditatively, which, you know, kind of brings me into this like super logic brain. I don't know about you, but this is what happens to me. It brings me into this logic brain where I'm like, okay, feel spiritual self, go for it, do that, which it does not lend me, lead me to feel more spiritual. It leads me to feel more in my head because I'm like, oh, am I doing this right? Am I walking straight enough? Am I grounded to the earth? And so as I was leaving the center and walking back out, try to do that. That wasn't working. And I was like, hey, I'm noticing my body actually. So I'm trying to be like out of my head, but I am in my head. But I do happen to notice my body. I just watched the movie Coco. Um, if you haven't seen it, totally recommend it. Bring your tissues because you're going to need it, need them. <laughs> um, but at one point in the movie, um, this skeleton character, um, well, well, actually, the, this human boy starts walking in this funny, like, disjointed way. And the skeleton character that the boy is with is like, what are you doing? And the boy is like, I'm trying to blend in with all of these, you and all these other skeletons. And the skeleton who is walking like that is like, I'm totally not walking like that. But he is. But um, 
there's no like greater meaning there, I don't think. But <laughs> um, for me, I was walking the labyrinth. I'm like, hey, I'm noticing that my body feels disjointed, like the skeleton. I feel like I'm walking like the skeleton. And my first instinct is like to kind of button that up, be like, oh, no, no, no. You know, tighten your core, stand up straight, um, no skeleton walking. But then like there's this second response that came quickly in the heels of that that was like, well, why not walk like a skeleton? You're in this secluded area. You're trying to get in touch with yourself, God, the universe, and everything, whatever you want to call that. Um, why not walk like a skeleton? Why not like lean deeper into this like oddness? Um, because usually, especially as an anxious person, I'm like, oh, that seems like it could lead me to be out of control. Push it away. Get back in control. So this time, for once, I thought, okay, let's try walking more like a skeleton or whatever happens. So try to tune into what my body is doing. And I realize that like my body is walking in a different way when I just allow it to be and not like make it do what I think is how I should walk anatomically. Like if I'm going to do it anatomically correctly, I guess, um, which would be abs up, tucked up and in, you know, um, shoulders back, all that stuff, which is again, not a bad thing. Um, but I found myself kind of my upper body started leaning back, which I thought was really interesting. And my hips started like moving forward. Um, like I was like strutting almost, but not actually strutting. And, um, and then kind of got deeper and deeper into this way of moving and tried to let myself go into it more if my body wanted to do it more. And I found my arms getting in on the act. Um, and something I thought was interesting that I remembered is when I was a, a girl, a little girl, I used to take horseback riding lessons and I uh, had a great experience until I got thrown from a horse. And, and that was when I was about like 10 or 11 years old. So um, when I started riding again, I had to get stitches. I like gashed my chin open and I couldn't ride for like however long the stitches were in. I can't remember how long. But once they got out, I started riding again. And um, but something that hadn't happened before that now was happening was that I was leaning forward like a lot, um, which is um, unsafe when you're riding because it tells your horse to go faster and then it leads you to be out of control. And if you're already freaking out because you're not in control, you're going to do it more, which means you're going to be more out of control, even though you're doing it to try to get back in control. And then that was something I struggled with for the rest of the time I took horseback riding lessons. From then, I like took a couple years more of riding lessons, took a break, started taking horseback riding lessons again in college. And it was the same thing again. Also, interestingly, I rode on the rowing team in college and it was the same issue. I didn't want to lean back. There was something about leaning back that was not okay for me. And um, it even had like my riding instructor like took me out of the group I was in and had made me go back to like one-on-one -on -one instruction. I wasn't allowed to like hold the reins anymore. And I like went through like this basically like horseback riding intervention to try to get me to lean back more where I would like lay down on my horse. And then at first it was just the horse was standing and then he was walking and then trotting. I'm not sure if we ever got up to cantering. God, I hope not. Cause that sounds terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I never fell off a horse again, knock on wood. Oh, and that's not true. I did fall off a horse once in college, but it wasn't like 
a traumatic thing. It was just like, oops, I tumbled and got back on. It was fine. Um, yeah, so it was interesting being in this labyrinth, being like, okay, body, I'm going to let go of what I think you should be doing and kind of let you do what it feels like you want to do. And the, 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 what my body wanted was to lean back and to open. And I noticed it opened my hips. It opened my belly, which I'm very self-conscious about my belly. Uh, it's not flat. It's not toned. It's not tight. It's not all the things that I feel like the culture wants a tummy to look like. My tummy is squishy and lumpy and round. And it's something, again, I struggled with for many, many years. Even when I was much thinner, I like I, I actually was anorexic, anorexic, so very unhealthy. And even then, I was like, man, I still have this big old tummy, which was, of course, much smaller because I was anorexic. But still, like, ratio-wise, it was the same, and I still felt not good about it. And here I am in this labyrinth letting my, my body go, and my body's like, no, show your belly, thrust it forward, thrust, thrust your hips forward, growing up and then in the um, religion I kind of somehow found my way into by choice. It wasn't like I got sucked in. I chose to go this route to this day. I'm like, that is weird that I chose that. And also it makes perverse sense to me, <laughs> um, which is a whole different episode. But, you know, it was very like um, shut down about sexuality. Um, periods were gross. Um female bodily functions, gross, nasty, and not all of these teachings were given explicitly, but again, very um, overtly, but, um, or not overtly, I should say, it was tucked into the culture, tucked into the conversations, but over time, the insidious uh, reality is that this is what I learned, that sex is off limits, or bad, or dirty in some way, your sexual area is your private area, private parts are private, I guess. They're not to be touched. They're not for you to touch. They're not for anyone else to look at. They're not for you to enjoy, not for anyone else to enjoy. This is off limits, this whole part of your body off limits. And then also later down the line, I um, turned out I needed a hymenectomy. I had an interesting like you know, like your hymen, right? Like a female, a female's hymen, which is like the, supposed to be this thin meshy covering inside of her vulva um, that, you know, archaically was used to test if she was a virgin or not. And that is not an accurate way <laughs> of testing if anyone's a virgin, a woman is a virgin, um, or someone with a female body, I should say. And uh, it turned out I had real skin there, but it had like a couple holes in it, I guess. So my period could still flow through. But I was literally, I was physically closed off in that area. I didn't know until I went to have uh, sex on my wedding night because I was a good Christian girl and couldn't do it because you can't put anything in there. I'd tried to wear tampons before and it hurt. Um, and I thought it was just because, oh, well, I'm a virgin, so it'll hurt until I have sex. And then once I have sex, it'll be fine. And I never talked to anyone about it because talking about that stuff is weird or bad or naughty or uncomfortable so we don't do it um so here i am walking and my body's like no no this part of you put it forward walk with it first lead the way with this stuff um later on after that i went on to have a stillbirth my first baby was stillborn don't know why doctors don't know why it was healthy pregnancy up to that point um 
So again, more like womb issues, more reasons to feel weird about my belly space, my pelvic area, my, my sexuality, my, my um, reproductive organs, all that stuff, my womb space. Um, and here again, my body's like, no, 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 let it go first. And then up in my upper body, my head wants to come back. My chest wants to open. My heart is opening. And what I'm looking at is the sky. And it's a beautiful sky today. Blue sky with just a few clouds. Gorgeous. Um, and usually I'm going to look at my feet because I'm walking this labyrinth and I might trip, right? If I don't know where the turns are, I might trip over the rocks. But I didn't, ha I don't know, somehow it worked. I was leaning back, hearts open to the sky, eyes are looking up naturally, like up ahead in front of me at the treetops. And it worked. I didn't trip over anything. I didn't look at my feet. I've walked this labyrinth enough, but I don't think I've walked it enough to know exactly where every single turn is. Um, some of the labyrinth is like a smidge flooded and walking into the center of the labyrinth I like slashed through it and tried to get around it and it was just uncomfortable to walk in. On the way back out, walking in this manner, this more opened, organic manner, um, I slashed right through the middle and it was fine and it didn't bother me, which is interesting. And then finally, the last thing that got in on the act were, were my arms. And at first I just let them swing in an opposite rhythm of my, or opposite, um, opposite of my legs so left leg right arm and then right leg left arm and just let it rock and roll from there and then then my shoulders wanted to dance a little bit and then I thought what else does my body want to do and just some interesting arm motions came out um like rolling my arms like gathering things in um when I turned toward the north there are these this there's a stand of tall evergreen trees and my arms wanted to like reach up and like my palms were floating up toward the sky one at a time and my fingers were following my palms like kind of like I was brushing my hands through the pine needles um like through hair that's what it felt like um you have just a super interesting experience and also weird like if somebody had come in I would have like ideally I like to think I would have been like okay breathe through it and keep doing this like this is a sacred space. It's a safe space. You can continue being like this kind of odd walking way, right? Um, but I also would have, my instinct would have been to stop right away and go back to like abs up and in. Nobody's leaning back up here. Um, chin is straight, probably looking back at the ground at my feet. Um, the instinct would have been to be like, oh, I'm embarrassed. Don't do that. This is not a normal way of walking. Um, at the same time, I was thinking about what it would feel like if I had brought a group of women up here with me and was asking them to see what their body wanted to do. And I'm leading this thing, so I'd have to lead the way, right? Like I'd really have to be authentic and say, okay, I'm asking you to try this, and I'm going to try it too. And I'm going to my, let my body get as weird as it wants to be. Just to, give you the, to help give you, the other people here with me, if I ever brought anyone here with me, the space and the permission and the like, hey, me too, I'm right here in it with you, nobody's mocking you, sort of presence and come along sidedness. That's, I'm making the words up now, but you get what I'm saying, right? You, you have to own that yourself if you're going to ask other people to try it too. If you're not going to do it, they're not. As a leader, you're not, they're not going to do it either. Um, and my, I wondered, like, it would probably be harder to do it with other people, even my close friends who I feel comfortable and I love and I 
uh, I trust them. You know, it would still feel weird. I would, my instinct would be to like, oh, say, don't do that because you're going to make fun of me, even though I know that they wouldn't. Or if they did, they'd be like right in it with me, trying it and being like, wow, I feel weird. <laughs> you know? Um, but I don't know. It just, it felt really good. I don't have a, a big conclusion here or anything like that, but it just was a really interesting, enjoyable, organic experiment. And I wanted to share that with you and also encourage you if you can find a space where you feel safe and it's um, secure for you to try it, to try leaning into what your body wants. Maybe it's like a skeleton walk that turns into this like interesting strut that opens your chest to the sky. Maybe it's something different. Um, mine kind of turned into a little bit of a an arm dance by the end, which was cool. I tried to get my legs to get in on the action and they were like, no, 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 no. Just let us do the walking. Like we, we've got this. Stop messing with it. This is your head getting in the way again. <laughs> okay. So let my legs do what they wanted, but the arms were like, yeah, let's dance a little. Um, what does your body want? If you let it move any way you wanted it to, what would it look like? Something I'm interested or, or I'm intrigued by the idea of is what I actually looked like. Because I wonder, maybe I still walk around really like bent forward at the waist like I was when I was riding horses or when I was trying to row on the rowing team, like hinged forward at the hips. Maybe I walk around like that all the time and really, and really what happened in letting my, my body go and how it felt like I was leaning back way a lot. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe it was just like normal. Maybe it really did look normal. So I, I kind of want to try it. I'm going to try it when I get home again and see what happens and see what it looks like as, to the best of my ability. Um, because that's how it felt with the horseback riding too. I felt like I was leaning... When I, when I finally did get start leaning back again, I felt like I was leaning so far back that I was just going to like tip right off the back of my horse. But if I looked in the mirror, it wasn't anywhere close to the point I thought I was. And my instructor also was never like, hey, you're leaning too far back. She would tell me if I got to that point. Um, and she never did because I never got to that point. <laughs> I was never leaning back far, far enough. Um, so I wonder, I'm super curious now about how, what my gait is like and if my gait is like I used to ride horses after I got thrown off. And I wonder if I'll be, I'll allow myself, if I'll allow myself to go into that Skeletor walk again and see where it takes me. All right, I hope you like this episode. I hope it inspired you and brought up some interesting questions and thoughts for you. If you try it, I would love for you to tell me. I'm going to post this episode on my blog at sheofthewild.com slash blog. So you could go find it there, the post for this episode, and tell me in the comments how it went for you or find me on Instagram or Facebook or even um, email me at beth at sheofthewild.com and tell me what you discovered. What happened? I'd be so interested. Or make your own post on Facebook, Instagram, etc. Um, and tell us about it. I hope you're well. I hope that life is finding you and that you have what you need and that you feel okay. Even if things aren't okay, I hope that you feel okay. And I hope you know that no matter what's happening, you are enough. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode and you want to help other people who you think might like it to find it, um, it would be great for you to leave a, a review in iTunes for this um, episode so it tells other people that hey 
I like this and I'm this way. So maybe if you're like this, you would like it too. It's a super big help for other people. And of course, I always appreciate it. Um, thanks again. I love you and talk to you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the She of the Wild podcast. For more inspiration and support for your creative journey, please visit www.sheofthewild.com.